0: Round one in the books, welcome in, welcome back. If you're here on a recurring basis, that is, uh, if it's new for you, welcome in, Connor O'Neill joining me live. Once again, uh, Wade Zanketa, as usual. Connor, we had three games this weekend. We're going to spend a bit more time talking about what the hell went down. But I kind of want to start with the Laurier Golden Hawks.
1: Yeah, I do too, because I think this one for sure will be the, the quickest one. Absolutely. 69 nothing win for Laurier in the Battle of Waterloo playoff edition. Taylor L. Gerzma. It was the Taylor L. Gerzma show in this one almost 400 yards three touchdown had one with his legs what can't this guy do
0: every running back had a day as well Tanner Nell nine for 155 <laughs> Quentin Scott 10 for 90 and the GRT, GRT 13 for 84 each one registering a touchdown um but no like you said this was all about algorithm 20 of 22 through the air
1: eight of those for 150 basically 150 149 and two touchdowns to Ethan jordan other receivers in this one that had big days Quentin scott again not a receiver but a running back
0: yeah in most took of his a, two
1: opportunities he
0: took a 53 a yarder to the house that was uh he made one guy miss and it was just clean sailing i i do have to say though for this team uh the laurier golden hawks a little pissed off after last week's loss it looked like and it really looked like they had an emphasis on coming out fast we we know it took them a whole half to get going the week prior three touchdowns in the first quarter um one i believe on their opening drive of the game connor this team was ready they are angry and we've talked about this with other teams in years past but when you're undefeated you almost want to have that loss before you get in the playoffs right like it's nice to say you had an undefeated season but to have one before you get in kind of gives you guys a taste of what they don't want in the postseason.
1: No, I I completely agree. I think uh, it was a bitter pill to swallow in the in the loss to Western, but I definitely think there is a a learning opportunity there. And I mean, should it happen, I think it'd be a great game. But I don't know if Laurier is a team that anybody, not even just Western, but anybody wants to see. In the playoffs right now because they're they're certainly rolling they look uh mighty angry like you said after the the loss going into the playoffs to western i'm excited to see it again this weekend with their matchup coming up against the Windsor lancers i think that's going to be a really fun game
0: yeah now these two teams did match up a couple weeks ago and it was all golden hawks but um laurier certainly clicking at a different level than what we saw during the regular season like we didn't see this outside of the guelph game but the defense showed up special teams showed up and of course el grishma as we mentioned definitely showed up on the day
1: all right where do you want to jump to now do you want to go to the limestone city
0: yeah let's let's talk some
1: game of the season let's talk
0: some ground game and defense man because as nice of a game as russell weir played and i think this was his best game as a starter um 13 of 19, 222 yards. The interception was the only point where, you know what, they were in control, they were driving, they had all the momentum, and he makes a great play, escapes a rush, rolls out, and then just lets one go. And I was standing with Tanner Young on the sidelines as we're watching, and he goes, oh, that did not come out the way he wanted it to. And it just kind of floated up into the air for the interception. But other than that, he controlled the game. Easy, quick passes until they decide to take some shots, and my oh my did he have ever. Cedric Smith down the right sidelines, it was a 40-yard catch. Connor, there was a half a yard separation between Kevin Victome, Cumberbatch, Cedric Smith, and the sidelines, and Russell Weir put it perfectly on the outside shoulder in the basket for his receiver.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I think this was by far Weir's best game of the season as a starter with the Gales. But I think a guy like Jared Chisari makes his job a lot easier. When you have a back that you can give the ball 30 times and he goes for 140, it makes your job as a quarterback a little bit easier because not only is he, is he giving you the yardage output and putting you in good situations offensively, but he's grinding down the GG's defense. And we saw that I think all game long, his ability to kind of keep the offense on the field, wear down that GG's wear down that Gigi's defense. I know it was a tight scoring game, but a lot of these opportunities can be, you know, Credited to Chisari right, for what he was able to do to that defense.
0: Certainly, and when they're when they're attacking the edges in their power game and their outside zone game, Connor, um there's something about Chisari's one cut ability where he needs to set up his blocks. He waits for everyone to flow over, and then perfect timing. Always, he hits that step, cuts back inside, lets his big men up front clear out the way. Um, and there's something to be said about that one step. And uh, let's talk about the fact that Queens, they they call it the Hulk package, but it's when they bring in Liam Silverson and uh, number 40, I believe his name is uh, Nicholas Henning. I just pulled it up. They start flexing. That's the signal for Hulk. And that's what they did on the Ottawa Gigi's. They brought in these two monsters. Connor, I'm not kidding. Both of these guys are like 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, they are taller than most of the offensive lines. And they start pressing on edges, and they allow guys like Theo Grant and Evan Florin to climb to the second level, and that ability to get big pro-caliber offensive linemen to the second level free lets the guys like Souls and Chesari have an even easier job, like they need more space to work with.
1: Yeah. No, 100%. 100%. Couldn't agree more with that.
0: Um, I do want to say, shout it to Jack Ashby Jacobs huge catch down the middle of the field. Um, he was injured on the play, but when he got up, it was like he just scored the game-winning touchdown. He started; he got the crowd back into it after a bit of a lull. But uh, no, I, I think this Queen's offense—we've talked about them finding their identity with the run game and Chisari, but with Alex Freakin, uh still out, Russell Weir's got to be the guy, and they're growing in confidence week in, week out with number two at center or behind center, I guess.
1: Yeah, no, totally. I really like what I've seen. I think that they have something to build on with Weir. And uh, I really like the progression that we've seen so far through the season. He's gonna have a tough test coming up next weekend against the Western Mustangs, but we won't dive too far into that one because there still is one final playoff game. You don't want to talk about your Ottawa GGs? You don't want to talk about your GGs? What did you you were there? You were at field, you were field level. You said you have some stuff that you want to talk about with the GG's. So let's hear it. Let's hear the let's hear the thoughts from the guy that was in the stadium for this one.
0: 13 of 24 for Josh Jansen. Okay. It was a tough game. We know queens's defense is really physical. They're really good at getting to the quarterback. But Connor, you have weapons, namely Charles Aslang and Nicholas Gendron, who are fantastic speedy options. To me, when the run game was going with Aslan in the first half, they were able to move the ball. What I found was missing as they went into the stretch run was getting these athletes out into space. When you look at Queen's and the way they attacked Ottawa's really strong rush defense, which Queen's has one as well, it was a lot of run action and then quick screen game and let guys get into space and make players miss. Aiden O'Neill had more catches than Melenfant, and Gendron combined. And to me, just giving guys of their caliber that opportunity to make plays out in space is what is going to allow this offense to progress even further when it seemingly stalled out in the second half.
1: Yeah, no, I have to agree. You need to give the opportunities to your playmakers to make something happen. You need to get guys like Melanfon and Gendron in space. I mean, again, like we saw with the Queen's offense, where Chisari was kind of the catalyst for those types of plays happening. Charles Esseline had, had a good game in his own right. He was going five, five point six yards a carry. But they then need to build off that and, and get the playmakers the ball more. I mean, and Gendron combined for five catches each. And I think that in a game like this, you need to try to utilize them a little bit more, get creative in, in that sense.
0: And I mean, it kind of goes back to, like I said in the preview for Waterloo, They've been run dominant all season, but to make a move in the right direction in the playoffs, you need to go through your big time playmakers. And if you look at them targeting Sukar and Basilika to go back a game, three catches for 25 yards combined between their two best players offensively. Now I know Anthony Miller did not uh, play the majority of the game, only four rushing attempts, but when you're looking at this Waterloo offense, same thing applies to ottawa as applies to waterloo as applies to carlton as we kind of shift into that game
1: yeah that Windsor carlton game i mean slow start for both teams especially the windsor lancers in this one i think but carlton the opportunities were there for them i think to kind of take over this game but i I agree i think it's the same thing in this one where wins despite their kind of early early game struggles Windsor was able to get it going with with their kind of power players their star players so to speak whereas Carlton I mean when you look at it I know Cassine Ferdinand had had nine for 43 but that's really it there are other big playmakers in this one three catches 30 yards three catches seven seven yards on a long one so
0: yeah I I think uh with this one Connor like you said it took a while for these teams to get going but the pivotal one for me was Carlton had a first and goal from the three-yard line and three straight plays in a row. They hammered away Alex Gale in the inside run. They didn't slice anyone. They didn't pull anyone. They didn't even give Tristan Lefebvre the option to pull it on the third down when they sent a plus one, the Lancers did, and it was clear from the snap of the ball that that was not going to fly. Um, Alex Gale just stopped short all three times on the goal line. and For Windsor... Their offense struggled, but their defense held tough in the red zone. You talk about that stop on the goal line there, the interception late in the game when Carlton walks down the field with a chance to win. Um, they, they, they stood tall when it mattered most. And their offense certainly didn't do them any favors. We're going to get to that topic in a second. Uh, but for Carlton, lots to grow on from this game, lots to grow on from this season. Not the outcome they wanted, but... Lefevre showed good progress. Alex Gale showed great progress in the backfield as well. Um, these receivers are stacked up. They're going to get better year over year. It's going to be a good team in the future and their defense played lights out. I cannot talk enough positive notes about this Carlton defense.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think there's a lot to like going into the future with this team. Like you said, the young players that you mentioned, the leadership that they've gained, the poise that they're, you know, going to go on building in the next season. But yeah, that defense is something special. I know they lost the game, but again, it was a tight game and I definitely don't think you credit the defense for the loss because they had three takeaways early in this game on Danny Skelton. They
0: had had four takeaways total in the game, Uh, a fumble, three picks. Like you said, the three on Danny Skelton, um, Connor, this this defense was
1: lights out. Oh yeah. Yeah. As was Windsor's though, I think when they needed it most. Like we talked about that goal line stand, but their defensive line combined for two sacks in this one. Harrison Daly had a had an interception to himself. There's a forced fumble by Coleda Amusin in in this game as well. So Windsor was getting their takeaways in in, their like Windsor was getting their own takeaways as well, putting themselves in good position. And I think, you know, Windsor ultimately just capitalized one more time than than Carlton did if they had some of that magic from the Waterloo game different story I, I think it really could have gone either way in this one both these teams defensively were playing really well and all the
0: credit in this one for Windsor offensively Connor has to go to Nick Domovsky I mean Danny Skelton three interceptions uh sick nine to 15 which doesn't sound too bad but the three interceptions were killers yeah um, I believe he was also the one that coughed up the ball on the phone, or sorry, Brady Lidster was, um, on the block kick, but they, uh, they tried to run the ball, wasn't as successful as they're used to. And Danny Skelton really just choked this one as much as he could away. And Nick Domofsky came in when it was tight, when it mattered four or five, 89 yards, a touchdown. And it gave the Lancers all they needed to change the outcome of this one
1: yeah that's a the the decision to go with nick Domovsky is is a tough decision not only for you know your coaching staff your quarterback for Domovsky himself but you're right like he he stepped up when four or five delivered the touchdown when they needed it i think asking him to do what they did as hard as it was i mean it shows the character of a guy like the and honestly skeleton too because that's a hard situation to have to deal with for yourself as the starting quarterback, you know, you're not having the game that you want to be having, but, uh, you know, he was still his, his, what am I trying to say? But no, but on the sideline as a teammate, like it's not like he was kicking his helmet around, head down on the bench or anything. Like, obviously there was still, you you saw that he still wanted to win the game and was, was happy for Domovsky when he was making the plays.
0: Yeah, no, I, I really, credit JP Cercelli, or Celli the coach of Windsor for making this choice um but it brings up some questions for next week as they have to host or go to sorry those pesky Laurier Golden Hawks are you gonna double down with Skelton after a three interception performance um or are you gonna go to domovsky who who finished strong on the day I I don't know but uh for Windsor I think this is more of a survive and advance moment Than anything. I mean, talk about Carlton's defense with uh, Louis Laveau and Agamudu. Connor, Giovanni Cunningham had one catch. It was uh, a really good day for Carlton's defense. A tight game if you love defense. This week, except for the Laurier game, was all for you. Um, Next week, We've got semifinals. We're up. We're ready. Two two more to go in the OUA slate before we get to decide who's fighting for the title. It's
1: going to be exciting. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be a great weekend of football. There's good matchups, as we said. Queens will be taking on the Western Mustangs. Windsor playing those Laurier Golden Hawks who are coming off that big win. Another difficult defensive challenge for Windsor. and I think it's that's going to be a really good defensive game not to get too far ahead of myself on these, but you know, I don't get to join you during the week anymore. So I got to say my piece where I can get it in.
0: All right. Well, that's it for our recap this week. Enjoy the week as usual. We will catch up multiple times throughout the week. I know I missed Thursday last week, got a little busy, but there were some good games. So stay tuned for later this week. Maybe Connor's going to be on the Tuesday episode. We don't know. We don't know. As always, at Connor O'Neill, at Wade Zang, at CF Perspective, your home for OUA football. Check us out as we head down the home stretch. Oly recap finished. Connor stuck around to join me for this Tuesday episode block. Now, uh, we've got some crazy finishes. We're gonna talk about Calgary Manitoba. We're gonna talk about UBC staying on top. Uh, the best case scenario for the T-Birds, and of course, the Concordia Stingers win at Sepsum. Well, some fan has uh, has been chiming into our DM saying, "Well, your predictions were wrong, dude. Their predictions." It wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't like we were being some swami here and telling the future. No, we thought Concordia would not be a great team. They they have struggled late in the year, and we figured that Sherbrooke, with Anthony Robichaud, would be much better. But he has not played great down the stretch this year, and Concordia snuck one against Montreal, who, quite frankly, didn't really care. They had the one seed locked up. I'm sure they're uh,
1: looked like that, anyways. Yeah,
0: their game plan was not to put up 40 points, and uh, yeah, <laughs> I think it was just kind of get out of here and get ready for the postseason.
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously, you always want to win games, but like, you know, when you know you're when you know you've got it locked up, I think maybe Montreal was looking ahead of the schedule a little bit in this one, and maybe they lost sight. Of the game, and, and to clear the air on the Concordia stuff too, like it's not like we're rooting against Concordia. If you listen to this show at any point, we like love Olivier. We've, we've been the Olivier Watt fan club, so like, yeah, obviously, like we love the upset, we're happy to see it. It's not like we're like rooting against Concordia or anything there either. It's just we made a prediction, did it not come true? No, it didn't. And like, it's not like we're pissed that Concordia is doing well, like, we love to see that. So, yeah, <laughs> whatever on that one, I've got to, Who I've got to, cares? Yeah. All right. Good win. Uh, Montreal is probably still gonna make it through the Quebec conference. Not worried. You
0: wanna do you wanna tell me, Connor, which team is sitting from Can West in the top of the Green Pyramid?
1: What team is that? The UBC T Birds, who just locked up the one spot in the Can West. Oh. Oh, it is.
0: You know what, Connor? I will take it because I have been vocal about the T-Birds being my team to beat in Can West. And not only did they take out Alberta for the second game this year, Alberta looks like the team to beat, but this puts Alberta against the Huskies, who have been the Huskies' nemesis this year. So UBC gets the Bisons. Alberta gets the Huskies' and UBC gets home field advantage in their lovely road trap of a stadium. Uh, this is going to be a best-case scenario for the T-Birds. Isaiah Knight is healthy. He is back, and he ran the ball ate a lot.
1: 23 carries for the big dog. He's 128-1 and one type of healthy. 128 yards on the ground, one touchdown. He had another 31 through the air. He's healthy.
0: Oh, yeah. And uh, for for this T-Birds team, a lot of Kieran Flannery-Fleck uh, points, three field goals, a couple extra points. Connor, they left a lot of points on the board in this one. And credit to Alberta's defense for holding them out. You know, sevens to threes, threes to zeros is always the slogan, right? Um, but for the Golden Bears, this team, it's going to be a pain, but the T-Birds are rolling. Rooker, getting back on his track after that Calgary loss. um, I'm excited for the UBC T-Birds. I I am. This is a team that I would love to see go through. We talk about building trenches out. Nobody better with an offensive line in the country.
1: No, no, I 100% agree. I think, you know, I, I firmly expect UBC to be in and lifting the Hardy Cup this year. I expect them to be a vanier contender for sure we list them as contender at the start of the season i think they have, they have a chance to travel to the limestone city and compete for the vanier this year i won't be an easy road but they have a chance and it's going to start with their matchup against it's going to start with their matchup against the manitoba bisons who needed an absolute miracle to get to this point and did they ever get the miracle they needed
0: okay now here's what i need to say. This. Is weird. So, because Ken West, you play everyone twice. The head-to-head Manitoba won the first one. Calgary looked to be on their way to winning the second, and they had to make up the point difference because the head-to-head would have then been one and one. It goes to point differential, and the way the story was going, it was fourteen plus points would have been. Calgary into the playoffs, 13 or less points, Manitoba into the playoffs. And Calgary looked to have it all knotted up going into the final drive. And then, then, with 12 seconds on the clock, the Calgary Dinos have to run a play. I will get to this in a second. Have to run a play. Matt Clark, three yards, coughs it up from your guy, Adamopoulos. Remember him from East-West? He was a big-time player. Nick Conway scoops it. Nick Conway scores it. And holy crap, the Bison, they're alive. So they go for two. They get the two-point convert and put themselves into playoff range. Now, I... I'm not sure why they went for two because the 14 points would have already been elapsed uh, if they had kicked a single extra point, right? Like it would have been 13 points would have been good enough to put them in. Uh, But they go for two, get it, and advance. Now, a lot of people have been saying this is an all-time Mario Cristobal play call when you could have kneeled it out. No, okay, Canadian football, you get a play when there's zeros on the clock, if you're down before zeros. Manitoba has a pocket timeout. If you take a knee, you run off one second, Manitoba calls a timeout, and now you're punting with 11 or 10 on the clock. You're expecting to give them the ball and the chance to make a play with time expiring. The whole idea behind Coach Harris deciding to run the ball and Jabari Arthur, the OC, is you want to munch time. So you're telling your running back, we're going to put the ball in your hands. Mind you, Calgary called timeout because they had taken it all the way down and burnt as much time as possible. So in that timeout, they're saying, hold the ball with like that tri-lock hold that we talk about. That is how you are holding this ball the entire run try to hold up, try to kill some clock, go down. Manitoba would use their timeout. We're hoping that we have run off five seconds, which leaves us with seven. We're going to put our punter up. We're going to punt the ball as high as we freaking can so that this returner is catching it with zeros on the clock, game over, we just have to make a tackle. Obviously, Matthew Clark calls it up. Different story, different way to go. But... With that pocket timeout for Manitoba, you cannot take a knee. I don't care what people are saying about 12 seconds. No, it would have been time for Manitoba to get a play.
1: Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree. I 100% agree. And, like, this is one of those, like, one in a million plays, right? Like, this is, in a normal game or a normal situation, nine times out of ten, I should say, you know, The ball does not get fumbled there. This just happens to be the one out of ten time where Manitoba needs a miracle and they're gifted said miracle. And that was a great play. Heads up play, great strip, great to get your hand in there, get on the ball, cause something to happen. But sometimes to be good, you got to get lucky, right? So I think (laughs) uh, Manitoba secured the playoffs. But Calgary still got the win, too. I don't know what everybody was – is uh, i under. think i understand i think it's like. the
0: chance at the postseason and the more i think about it like if you run that ball and you get it down you could even tell your punter hey run around kill some time we'll we'll take a safety if we have to but start sprinting laps of the end zone and kill as much freaking time as possible take the safety and then we'll punt it down with a chance to go and have at her because that also would have been enough points for Calgary to advance. So um, there's different ways to get it, but Matt Clark had a good day all around. I mean, he played pretty well, but that one mistake is going to make it a really long offseason.
1: Yeah, no, it certainly will. It certainly will.
0: Oh, 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 well, well, well. The postseason's here for every other conference. Of course, the only way being an 11-team conference. We get a couple extra weeks. Um, but Connor, it's good to have you for the Tuesday episode. Happy we've got react. we've got playoffs galore on Thursday, so stay tuned. I will be giving picks, I will be breaking it down. The matchups that are at hand, X St. Mary's, Montreal against McGill, Queen's Western, Windsor Laurier, Bishops Mount A, Laval Concordia, and of course, T Birds, Bisons, Huskies at Golden Bears best of luck enjoy the week wherever you're doing however you may be enjoying your Halloween have your hand out trick-or-treaters go as a referee they are often scary Um, sorry zebras you guys kind of get the butt of that (laughs) joke but uh, at Wade Zank at Connor O'Neill enjoy your week